Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. One day at a time, everybody. We keep getting closer and closer to the start of the regular season. Week three preseason is upon us. This week and this weekend, I'm very excited to see more of the starters play for each team. I know myself in particular, I'm excited to watch Big Ben play maybe a little bit if he's on the field, Antonio Brown, if he's going to be healthy and good. So uh, it's a big week. It's a big week, and we are going to kick off the show tonight by talking about what we're looking forward to in preseason week three. Pat had to go into a... uh, He's a, I mentioned this on a couple shows before, but Pat's a veterinarian. He had to go into an emergency surgery tonight, so he won't be joining us, but Jake Myers here. Hi, Jake. Hello, everybody. I'm happy here to talk football. It's preseason week three upon us, and I am, oh, I'm excited. We get to see a lot of the stars this week. Yes, preseason week three is always a big one because we usually we presumably think that starters are going to play most of the first half, which that's what we're hoping for, maybe even into the second half just a little bit. So let's start right with that, Jake. Uh, let me ask you, do you have maybe one or two or three things that you're really looking forward to in preseason week three as it ties into fantasy football? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a few uh, bullet points I guess I'm looking forward to in this uh, this week. Um, a lot of guys I'm really monitoring as far as either guys I've already drafted, as it's had two drafts already, or guys I'm looking forward to drafting, seeing what their usage is going to be and how they are playing this season. Um couple of the guys I'm looking at are honestly Jameis Winston just had a great game how about that last week Swan did you see that 13 for 18 225 and two touchdowns yep I saw the stat line I saw and heard that he did well I didn't get to see any of the highlights uh did you get to watch you know many of his throws and stuff I got to watch yeah I got to watch two of the drives he looked good he I mean granted now he's playing against a second team defense so it's hard to you know take it with a grain of salt because actually, he's not getting the starts in preseason. Actually, they're giving Fitzpatrick the starts in preseason. I don't know if that's a discipline thing or just something. But I think this three-game suspension is honestly going to light a fire under his butt. And I think he's going to become a better player for it this season. If he's somebody you can stash way late, maybe the last-round pick if nobody else drafted him, I, I'd look to harbor him on your bench. Depending, See how he plays week three and week four in the preseason here? But I'd definitely look for Jameis Winston to... Uh, as a late stash, if you didn't get that quarterback you were looking for, he could end up being a top ten quarterback being in this season. The other that's, uh that's a great point. I've I just wanted to add on that. I've been doing that a ton. Yeah. I've been getting Jameis Winston in the even like the fourteenth and fifteenth round where yep. I draft him and even in like a two quarterback league or a super flex drafting him as my third quarterback, that's certainly a strategy that you can take with you and and yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Just wanted to add that. Yeah, he's still got the weapons and he's and, you know, he's got he's really does have the talent. And like I've said this before in episodes, he did have that shoulder injury of the throwing shoulder last year, the whole time struggling. Speaking of throwing shoulder injuries, the next person on my list that I'm monitoring heavily is Andrew Luck, because I find myself wanting to draft him more and more because his ADP is low. Um, He's got all the talent in the world. He had a good first outing in week one of the preseason. And then the second outing was not as good. Any thoughts on that, Swan? Yeah, I. that's a great point. That's actually one of the biggest things that I'm looking forward to in week three. Is he going to push the ball downfield a little bit more? Because we haven't seen that yet. You're right. He didn't look good against Baltimore. 
We're going to see what's up with T.Y. Hilton's shoulder. I don't know if he's going to play in week three. I haven't heard any updates on that. Um, but yeah, I, you know what? I wanted to ask you too. I've, I find myself a lot of times, like if I have one of the, one of the first picks, one of the first three or four picks, I've been doing some mock drafts from that position. When it comes back to me at the end of the sixth round, when it's like Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, I find myself taking Andrew Luck in that spot. I have him as my number four quarterback. Do you think taking him in, I don't know how many mocks you've done to this point, or or, I know you've had a few drafts. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of mocks. Have you seen him going in the sixth round, the seventh round? Like, where would you be comfortable taking him? I see him going right where you're talking, sixth, seventh round. And I actually have a lot more information to add on Andrew Luck because, hint, hint, this is our inner circle episode. Yes. Can you explain what that means, Swan? Yeah, of course. So our inner circle episode um, let me let me tell you what the show's actually going to be about really quick, and then we'll talk a little bit more preseason if you have some stuff to add, Jake. But I'm going to have Jake talk about he's had a couple auction drafts lately that I want him to talk about because we haven't talked much auction. And I want to give just, just get Jake's take on what his strategy was, what his mindset was going into the draft, maybe some price tags that he had on some players, guys that he was targeting. We'll talk about some league news and notes because there's quite a bit to get to there. And then the inner circle it's it's really kind of like our guys for the year, our favorite players, just the guys that we want in our corner through thick and thin, right, Jake? The guys yep. that, that you know we we have their backs, and hopefully they have ours uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to when it comes to like our guarantees for the year. I guess you would call it. Yeah, for sure. And we each have three, um, and just a little look into the future since Pat was not able to join us tonight. He's also has three. We're going to talk about that on the next show. So we're actually giving you a double dose of the inner circle. It's just going to be broken up into two episodes. And this inner circle we're talking, this is big stuff. You know, you get inner circles. That's really means a lot when you talk about the inner circle, like your high school group, your high school friends group. You don't let too many people in your inner circle unless you completely trust them. And I am looking forward to Pat's inner circle, guys. He does a lot of research and he really knows fantasy football. He normally doesn't miss on those back-end guys, so I, I would definitely look out for Pat's inner circle guys next episode also. A yeah. um, few more tidbits for the transition back to the preseason. I just have two more guys I'm looking out on if you guys want to watch out for it too. This actually goes along with Jordan Howard, but I'm watching somebody else to see how Jordan Howard's going to be used, and that's Tariq Cohen. He got zero carries the last game again, and I'm and I'm convinced because I'm hearing this He's not going to get really any carries in the backfield. I keep hearing Tariq Cohen is going to be lined up in the slot and use the wide receiver while Jordan Howard's in the field. Um, Swan, have you heard anything on Cohen like that? Um, so these aren't my own thoughts, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they had suggested that, you know, they came up with a theory that maybe they're hiding Tariq Cohen right now just to keep him. Because if you remember right, last year at the beginning of the season, um, I think I talked about this in the last podcast. You the did. Begin- the beginning of the year, he had 16 catches in the first two games. I think he had 24 of his 52 catches. Um, I might be getting those numbers mixed up, but they're, they're close. I think it was 24 of 52 catches in the first four weeks. So teams started, what that tells me is teams started to figure out Tariq Cohen, how to defend him, how to line up against him. So maybe they're think- they want to just keep him out of the game plan for the preseason. You know what I mean? 
and then really unleash him. But you might be right. They might use him out of the slot more because he's a guy who, I looked at the numbers from last year, kind of like Chris Thompson, a guy who's only going to have between maybe 90 and 100 carries. Correct. And I think that's on the high end, in my opinion. The other guy I'm looking forward to is actually on the same squad where you're looking at Trey Burton. He just had a nice game, four for 45 with one touchdown. He keeps producing. Looked really good. Looked really good. I mean, he's an athlete. I mean, where he's going with his ADP, I think he's a great pick at the current moment. That's another great point, Jake. I've been finding him where if I can get him in the eighth round, I'm ecstatic, but I don't think I'm going to get him there. I I think he's going to go in the seventh round a lot of times. And honestly, it wouldn't completely surprise me if if I see a few drafts where he's in the sixth, but I think the seventh is pretty safe. Do you give me some tight ends, Jake, that you like him more? Like Delaney Walker, um, Kyle Rudolph. Like how does he how does he shape up with against those guys for you? That's a good question, Swan. Now, definitely, I'm going Trey Burton over Delaney Walker because of the ceiling. Trey Burton is gonna possibly produce maybe tight end three four numbers if we get lucky i think he definitely has a capability delaney walker's never going to do that for us and i'm also going to take him over i guess guys see i guess the number one question is to me i think is trey burton going over a guy like greg olson i'm going to hold the brakes on that one i'm still going to take greg olson i would agree over trey burton but i think trey burton's going right after him well, if we see the same Greg Olson that we did last year, now granted he had the foot injury that he was dealing with, but even when he came back, he didn't look good. Um, we, you know, Trey Burton actually might has a might have a decent chance to outperform him if that's the case again. I think Trey Burton has a higher ceiling, but he also has a lower floor. So I like Olson as a more for sure thing because he's done it for years, and I think he is mostly over that injury from last year, but. Trey Burton basically, in my opinion, could be your Zach Ertz of this year. Yeah, that's a good point. And the Bears have said, uh, I think it was a beat writer for the Bears, said that he think he he thinks that, that Burton has a legitimate chance to tie Martellus Bennett, one of his records either for yards or catches this year, go over 1,000 yards. He thinks he has a legi- legitimate chance to do that. Yep, now, I did Jake, hear that. Jake, let me ask you this. Uh Sticking with the Burton conversation here, what strategy do you prefer? Would you prefer to get Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz in those first two or three rounds, or are you perfectly fine? And, you know, would you rather wait and maybe pick up somebody like Trey Burton? Like you, Swan, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, and I'm finding the depth at running back and wide receiver. It's better to get those guys in the third through fifth rounds and wait. Don't take Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz and wait and get a Trey Burton, take a chance on a Jordan Reed. I just end up liking my roster better at the end, waiting till the 6th, 7th, 8th round for those tight ends. Yeah, and the I would agree with you with that. I think the only thing to add to that point is if the, the value is just right for Gronk. Say um, it comes back to you, you have the first or second pick, and he comes back to you at the end of the second round in a 12-team, in a 12-team league, you're probably taking him there, right? You know, and that's funny you you asked me that question, uh, listeners out there. I actually have the second pick in our uh, in our friends league, fourteen team league, and I'm really contemplating if Grant comes back to me, what I'm going to do with that. I 
don't know. I It's hard to pass them up, but at the same time, I keep telling myself, go with the wide receivers or running backs and wait on tight end. Are you taking so Gronk, Gronk or T.Y.? T.Y. Okay. Uh, how about Gronk or Mixon? Gronk. Gronk or Howard? Howard. All right, one more. How about Gronk or Diggs? Diggs. Okay. All right, fair enough. So you're probably, le- it sounds like you're going to lean more so that position player, either receiver or running back. Yes, I feel like I feel like tight end is deeper this year, so Gronk is less valuable. It is. I w- I would agree with that. Okay, uh, I could talk about that all day, and that was a that was yeah. really good stuff. We we went a little bit long there, but it was good. I, I think that was very valuable information. Um, so Jake, why don't why don't we parlay that right into the auction draft talk? How about you tell our yeah. listeners here for a minute or two just. Uh, really anything you want to talk about about it what your strategy was how things worked out for you um the floor is yours yeah thank you uh this this is kind of uh new to a lot of people a lot of people probably haven't heard about this type of auction draft now there are normally two types of drafts a snake draft which is obviously when you go back and forth pick players and then there's the auction draft which one player nominates a player and everybody gets a chance to bid on them the draft I'm going to talk about tonight is actually called the blind auction draft. And that how that goes, you pick a position out of a hat or a bucket or whatever you would like to pick it out of. And you have a so much, obviously, like an auction draft, you have a lot of amount of money, say $200. And you pick, you pick the position, and then everybody gets to bid on that position and put, the, put it back into the hat, and the highest bidder gets that player. Now, say I bid, say wide receiver gets pulled, and we have a $200 allotment, and I bid $90 on Antonio Brown, and I get him, then I am good to go. I don't need to rebid. But say one of the, the other players in my league didn't get Antonio Brown. He goes back into the pot and has to bid in a wide receiver again, one of them that didn't get bid on. Now, now some of you might find this, you know, not so interesting. Some of you find this really interesting. It's it is a nice breakdown. Um, it's you got to do it. Once you do it, it's the best way to draft. But I guess there's two strategies in the draft. You can either go big, spend your money and get the studs, or you can go for a steal. We had a 14 team auction draft earlier this year, and Gurley and Bell. Bell had one bid when we pulled running backs. Bell had one bid. And Gurley had zero bids because everybody was scared and thought he was going to get bid on by a ton. So nobody bid on him. And he went to the second round. Um, so like I said, I had two blind auction drafts. That's kind of the gist of it. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it. If anybody has any questions, hit me up on uh, Twitter um, at Pad the Stats, and I can tell you more about it. And we can go from there. Um, I'm more than willing to share any information, whether it's strategy, whether how to set up a league. Just hit me up on Twitter on Pad the Stats. Uh, me and James will answer you. We'll take you through it. Um, but so yeah, let me let that, me ask you this, Jake. What, yeah. what what did you really love about either either one of your auctions? What was there one moment where like, okay, that's exactly what I wanted? A uh, little little bit of uh, information on my first auction, the fourteen team auction. Actually, I did the same thing. Tight end came up first, and I bid eleven dollars on Gronk and got him in a two hundred league a lot two hundred dollar league allotment. Nobody else bid on Gronk. Oh, wow. That's awesome. 
I, I mean, I was shocked. I thought, I, you know, that's kind of the one where risk-reward. Next came up running back, and I got really lucky in this instance. I bid $41 on Le'Veon Bell, and nobody bid on him, and I got Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, and I think his average is like $60 in a PPR league, so that's awesome. Correct, yeah. So that being said, so then my strategy going forward from there was, okay, I got Gronk for cheap. I got Bell for cheap. I got a lot of money left. And then wide receiver came up. So I'm like, well, I'm going to spend all my money. I'm going to spend a lot of my money here. And I went after Odell Beckham for $100. So on a 14-team league, I have Gronk, Bell, Odell Beckham. And then I also stole Tom Brady. So I really put together a great team for this one. Um, Very excited about that. But, But on the flip side of things, the other draft, I it went bad for me. Uh, first came up, wide receiver came up. I bid $70 on Antonio Brown. Somebody bid 90 I lost out on him. So I went back into the pool for a rebid. Then I Michael Thomas was there. Nobody bid on Michael Thomas. So I bid $53 on Michael Thomas. Somebody bid 54 And now I'm sitting there. The best wide receivers left are T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper. And in that instance, you don't want to spend all your money because – there's only two or three guys rebidding the third rebid. So I got T Y Hilton for a dollar and it wasn't too happy. So, you know, the blind auctions in the end, you know, sum it all up, not to, you know, go on and on forever about this. I know I apologize to some of our No, 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 no. This is good. This may be boring, but it's good stuff. Um, yeah, it's very intriguing. It's something to learn about. Like I said, if you're intrigued about it, please hit us up on Twitter, DM us. We're more than willing to talk about it with you. Um, but in the end, I guess, a lot of it is based on luck, and but you all. But the nice thing about the blind auction is, you always have the opportunity to get the guy you want. Like that is the plain. Like in a snake draft, if you have the eighth pick, you have no shot at Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley. It's over. Blind auction, the ball is in your hands. And right. as a competitor, I want the ball in my hands. How about yeah. you, Swan? No, that's it's a good point. And like Jake said, if if you have any questions for us, of course. Of course, get a hold of us on Twitter at Pad the Stats. And Jake sounds like he's he's much more the guy for auction than I am. I'll be completely honest with you. I think I'm got everything down to a T and pretty much everything else, including daily. But when it comes to auction, it's just not. I, I don't participate um, in, in too many, if any, auction leaks. So Jake is definitely the guy for that. Um, is there anything else that we missed? Anything else you want to add on? Put a bow on that. Or are we are we good? No, that's just about everything. Like I said, I. Just hit us up and ask me questions about it. I'm more than willing to help you out. I recommend your league going from a snake draft to an auction draft. Once you do it, you'll never go back. Yeah. That's the way to go. mm -hmm, Yep, I've heard that a a bunch too. Okay, let's touch on some league news and notes here. Uh, Pete Carroll has said that both Doug Baldwin and Rashad Penny will be ready for week one. That's great, great news. And uh, J.D. McKissick broke his foot during practice Tuesday and is expected to miss four to six weeks. So, Maybe Rashad Penny, we're a little bit worried about him getting on the field to start the season, particularly with Chris Carson. Hopefully, uh, you know, McKissick's more of a pass-catching back, but still hoping that Penny can find his way on the field to get some touches, at least early in the season. It's being reported that both Mark Keesley and Keelan Cole have received the majority of first-team reps. Jake, I wanted to ask you, I find myself a lot of times getting Jaguar receivers very late in drafts because I like where I'm getting them, thinking that one Sometimes I draft two. Uh, more times than not, it seems to be Westbrook and Cole. Um, 
Lee's going in the 12th round, Westbrook and Cole in the 14th round. Do you have a favorite receiver of any of these guys? Well, I like Lee because I think he is going to be the number one guy there. I also, if I'm picking between Westbrook and Cole, I read, and I'm sure you read too, that Cole's getting that second work. Cole's getting that wide receiver to work. Yeah, Um, it sounds like Westbrook is going to work out of the slot quite a bit. Yeah, and then actually the funny thing is Moncrief is the fourth wide receiver. He's not getting much work at all from what I hear. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. A couple years ago we talked about Moncrief as like the number two in Indy with with Andrew Luck and being like a decent fantasy option. And now he's, you know, he's fallen quite a bit. I think that Cole is my favorite right now. Him and Westbrook are going in the 14th round. Um, like I said, I find myself getting Cole and Westbrook quite a bit to round out my, my, my wide receiver group. And it's not a bad oper- It's not a bad choice for you. Honestly, I, I would actually recommend it. If you want to take two f- late flyers, Take two of those three guys. I think one of them's going to pan out for you. The Jaguars aren't going to run the ball, you know, 40 times a game all the time. They're going to have to pass the ball once in a while, and when they do, one of these guys uh, is going to show up. Saquon Barkley has now missed nine straight practices and one preseason game following his hamstring strain. Jake, are we starting to get worried all about Barkley? I'll tell you what, this is honestly the first time you look at that nine straight practices that the way that's worded scares you. Yeah. If you say a week or two, a week or week and a half, that doesn't sound that bad. Nine straight practices. That sounds a little scary. I mean, we got to remember, and I've said this before, Saquon dealt with injuries at Penn state and game day. He normally came ready to play and fought through it. So what's I'm probably out of as a, on a worry scale right now, I'm probably only out of three out of 10. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think there's anything to worry about right now. He should be ready for day one, uh, the first game. I think the only thing to keep in mind is he's missing valuable reps as a rookie. And anytime you do that, you get behind the eight ball a little bit just to kind of learn in the offense. But Jake, I think you would agree with me on this. There's nobody that's going to challenge him for work there. And he's so he's we, we called him a generational talent. So even if it takes him a couple weeks to kind of get up to speed, if he does miss the rest of the regular or the preseason, uh, there's still so much upside with him even starting in like week three, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ceiling okay. is so high. Yeah. We're still, still, still a first round pick. Nothing to worry about there. Titan signed Richard Matthews to a one year extension through 2019. I saw this pop up it was one year, 7.75 mil. And I automatically thought I'm like, you know, it must be, this was weird because he's been MIA. He hasn't shown up. They were calling it a minor injury. Now this appears that maybe it was just a holdout situation. So he'll be there through 2019. And, um, you know, hopefully I haven't heard anything about him sh- actually showing up yet to two practices, but I assume that that's going to happen here if it already hasn't. Carolina's offensive line is getting beat up, Jake. Honestly, left tackle Matt Khalil, he received a second opinion from Dr. James Andrews, had a scope on his knee. They already lost right tackle Darrell Williams to a dislocated kneecap and torn MCL. And and their guard, Andrew Norwell, who we know very well went to the Jaguars, uh, which made us even more excited for the Jags run game. So um, I don't know, are you... Are you worried about drafting Christian McCaffrey or Cam Newton based on this? I, I'll be honest, I wasn't getting any shares of Cam Newton anyway, but I'm excited about McCaffrey. But uh, their line is really in shambles right now, if I'm being honest. So, I mean, does it concern you at all? Are you worried? With McCaffrey, no. 
honestly, because, yes, it might hurt the run game, but I think McCaffrey's going to make his hay when they're down by 10, 14 anyways, and he's going to get those screen passes, which, even though their line isn't perfect, it's still going to work for him when they're going to be down. Cam Newton, like you said, I'm not getting any, his ADP is too high for me to get any shares of right now anyways. Um, there's a lot of other quarterbacks I would like to have out there rather than Cam. How about McCaffrey or A.J. Green in a PPR? McCaffrey. How about McCaffrey or Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams. Okay. Like, that's all I got. Cool. Um, let's see here. Bucks running backs coach says there's probably a reason they only threw to uh, Ronald Jones 17 times at USC. Um, look, I was drafting him in the fifth round before, but I'm definitely backing off of that. Do you find yourself getting any shares of Ronald Jones? Oh, man, this is disappointing because I really thought he was going to be – I thought they were going to be able to fix his catching problems. Or they kept saying in the draft and around draft time and in mini camp, they were like, oh, you know, we're going to figure out he's going to be able to catch. And then this is a Buccaneers coach saying we only threw to him 17 times because he didn't say it, but I might as well paraphrase because he can't catch. Yeah, well, he's saying that U.S. At, I didn't realize that USC they only threw to him seventeen times. I knew they, that I knew they crazy. didn't use him in the passing game, but I didn't know it was that. And then I keep reading stuff because I'm a Buccaneers fan. I keep reading stuff that he he's dropping stuff left and right. So well, he's yes, had I'm two scared. targets. He's had two targets in preseason games, and he's dropped them both. Yeah, so, I mean, I, uh, honestly, as a Bucks fan, I want to puke because yeah. I, really, how do you? I, I thought you, this Ronald Jones. I thought he was going to be really good, really quick. How can you not catch as a pro athlete? So let me ask you this. Sitting here right now, would you have still traded me? Jake and I traded. We made a trade. Calvin Ridley. Jake gave me Calvin Ridley. I gave him Ronald Jones. We swapped uh, meaningless draft picks, third and fourth rounders. Would you still make that trade now? Ah, uh, man, that's... I mean, it's, dynast, it's it dynasty, uh, so it's di- that it's makes it dynasty. a little different. It makes it different. Calvin Ridley does look good, but... I needed a running back, and would I have swapped? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I still haven't lost total faith in Ronald Jones. No, nor should you. I guess I'm gallivanting around the question. I, no, I wouldn't have made that trade. You wouldn't? Okay. All right. I'm no. just checking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, all it takes is one injury to Peyton Barber or just Ronald Jones looking like the better running back, and by week four, we're talking about him being an RB1, so... It doesn't take a whole lot, and that's still we, there's still plenty of time for that to happen. The Miami Herald is reporting that both Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake will play a lot. We've heard this news before, but I heard that some games it might be Frank Gore as the starter and then Drake getting carries and vice versa. So uh, I don't find myself getting a ton of shares of Drake anyway. I do find myself drafting Frank Gore in like the you know, 13th, 14th, 15th rounds. Um, I think he's a a good sleeper kind of down there with like Jordan Wilkins in that range where you can get a guy, maybe Doug Martin, um, a veteran who you can probably count on for, uh, you know, eight to 10 carries a game more than likely. Um, George Iloka safety for free agent safety. Well, the, the Bengals cut him has signed with the Vikings. So that defense just got even better. Naeem Hines has now lost four fumbles through two preseason games. Jake, how are you feeling about Naeem Hines on your dynasty squad? He's going to be on the bench for a long time. <laughs> I figured you might say that. Uh, no interest there in drafting him in a redraft league. Jordan Wilkins might be the only one outside of 
Um, it, that backfield is just a mess in general. We could talk about that for a while. Christy Michael, um, you know, what's Marlon Mack? Is he healthy? Is he not healthy? When can you draft him? Uh, it's, oh, it's just, a, it, it's a mess. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bad situation though. I would say that I would draft Marlon Mack for the right price. The Saints cut Terrence West, so running back Jonathan Williams will likely fill Mark Ingram's role over the first four games. Uh, maybe something to look at there. We've seen, um, you know, some backs kind of come off the streets before. Tim Hightower performed well in that role. Uh, you know, if they don't give all the carries to Alvin Kamara, uh, there's a chance that Jonathan Williams actually could get, you know, some decent carries there. DJ Moore was cited for driving 113 miles an hour in a 65-mile-an-hour work zone. So that's great, uh, but we don't expect a suspension. He will have to show up in court in October. Eli Rogers was suspended one game for violating the substance abuse policy, and Jimmy Smith was suspended four games for the second time now for violating the personal conduct policy. Last year, he was suspended, I believe, four games for substance abuse as well. All right, we're done with that. How about we uh, talk our inner circle now, Jake? Are you ready? I am ready. First, I want to hit you with a few rapid fire questions. You just oh, mentioned. Oh, boy. A little sneak, rapid fire. A little sneaking up on sneak me attack. here. Sneak, sneak attack. attack. We just talked about me. Marlon Mack. Um, yeah. I just want to, you know, this is a question a lot, a lot of people have. I want to find out. I'm used to, to asking the questions, their, not getting asked the questions. A lot but, of people are trying to find their RB3 or flex position with Marlon Mack or some other running backs. So, Swan, rapid fire. Marlon Mack or James White? Uh, Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack or Isaiah Crowell? Right now, today, Isaiah Crowell. Marlon Mack or Ronald Jones? Uh, Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack or Tariq Cohen? In a full PPR. point PPR. Full, oh, this is all full PPR. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I'll lean, I'll lean Cohen. Cohen That's over close. Mac. Yep. Okay. That's all I had for you. That ends yep. our small yeah, Cohen, rapid fire Cohen, and, Cohen and Crowell over Mac, uh, and then the other two guys, White and um, who was the other guy? Uh, White and um, have to look it up. I have That's my list fine. Up here. That's fine. No big deal. I was just recapping that, but yeah, Crowell. yeah, I, I think or no, I was saying I would take Crowell uh, and Cohen over or Mac over um, over Mac, but I think those would be the only two guys. Uh, those are good ones, though. They're all kind of in that same range. And as far as Marlon Mack's concerned, he's a guy who I could see going uh, potentially in the fifth round if we get news that he's healthy and he can get 15 touches a game, 15 carries a game. Um, but I'm still only comfortable drafting him probably in the sixth round. Uh, honestly, I don't even really want him till the seventh round. If, it, if it's me personally, probably not going to get any shares of him. Okay, Jake, why do you want to do this? Do you want to go back and forth? Do you want to give me a guy in your inner circle, and then I'll, I'll give you a guy, and we'll just kind of go back and forth like that? Yeah, I agree. That'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited about uh, telling you guys about the guys that I basically trust most this year that will um, be my guys. I mean, I'm going to have these guys in a lot of my teams because I think they're going to basically outperform their ADP, and I'm going to grab them before somebody else does. Yeah, okay. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and start us off then? Give us your first guy. Uh, I'm digging deep here. And going with Stefan Diggs. Digging deep. I like it. <laughs> His ADP is currently in round three, pick six, um, according to the fantasy pros in a 12-team PPR. 
which is basically what we base off all our stats. 12 team PPR is normally what we base off a lot of our ADPs. Yep, most people most people do 12 teams. We're uh, the probably the minority that does a lot of 14s. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm not thinking, I am positive here because because I've done a lot of mock drafts. I am taking Diggs over Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, and Dougie Fresh Baldwin. So I'm taking, I, I mean, I think his talent. I think I'm with you there on all three. Baldwin's close for me, but the other two for Baldwin's sure. Baldwin's close, but I just think, uh, like I've talked about it all episode here, ceiling. What is the ceiling? I think Diggs could have a breakout year with Kirk Cousins, and he's healthy this year. He was dealing with injuries the past two years. Right now he's healthy, and I think it's going to be one of these years he stays healthy. It's a toss-up with T.Y. Hilton. I still go in T.Y. Hilton over Diggs. I would agree I actually there. Just, I actually just did my auction draft the other night. I could have took Diggs for a dollar or Hilton for a dollar. I took Hilton, again, because of Hilton's ceiling. I think Hilton has a little bit higher ceiling than Diggs. But I am so confident in Ziggs, or in Diggs. Diggs. Um, Zig, yeah. <laughs> Ziggy. Ziggs. We'll call him Ziggy now. <laughs> to answer your Is... question you asked me earlier, I am taking him over Gronk, and I'm taking him over running backs like McKinnon. Um, you know, he's finally healthy. And also a little tidbit here, according to uh, the fancy pros, he has the 10th easiest schedule for wide receivers. And – I like those. I like that matchup. He has a lot of. I looked at that schedule. He does have a lot of juicy matchups to take advantage of. Take your boy Diggs over Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Doug Baldwin. You won't regret it. Nice. No, I'm I'm with you there, and I'm really high on Diggs as well. And Jake, if you've seen any of the preseason, the Vikings games, and if anybody out there has watched any of the preseason Viking games, uh, Kirk Cousins is looking at Stefan Diggs. Oh, uh, yeah. more so than anybody else it would seem right now. And if that continues, we're probably looking at a guy that's going to go for 85, uh, 1100, and maybe eight eight touchdowns. Uh, those are realistic numbers for, for Stefan Diggs. So, Jake, I am right there with you. I love him. Now, my question for you is, are you, are you okay with drafting him in the sec- in the second round, like the end of the second? You said he's going around sixth overall, mid-third mid round. Uh, would you take him in that second round? I would. Yep, I'd take him late second, early third. I would, like I said, I would take him over guys like McKinnon, Mixon, um, a few of those running backs that are going. I think Diggs is going to um, propel your team to bigger victories in a PPR league. All right, fair enough. I, I like it. I like it a lot. And again, Diggs is one of my high guys as well. I'm going to give you my number one player here, and that is Jordan Reed. And you're probably all thinking to yourself, oh, Jordan Reed, he can never stay on the field. He's always hurt which is true, uh, and that is a fair and valid argument. But let me give you a little bit more into Jordan Reed's talent, his opportunity, and the quarterback he's playing with, and I might be able to just sway you um, just a little bit here and tell you why this guy has just some serious, serious upside. So let's start off with his ADP. He's going 95th overall. He continues to rise. He's going around mid to late 8th round. He's going as tight end number 10. He's going behind Trey Burton, Delaney Walker, uh Uh, Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram, and he's going in front of David Njoku, Jack Doyle, and George Kittle. Uh, Right about where maybe a lot of people would would consider him, he should be going. We expect Burton to be a breakout. We've seen it a lot from Delaney Walker. We've seen it a lot from Kyle Rudolph, and Evan Ingram is busted onto the scene. Uh, But 
I'll tell you what, he's my tight end number seven. I have him in front of Trey Burton and Delaney Walker both, and I'm going to tell you why. One is the talent. Uh, Look, I know he's only played in 52 of a possible 80 career games, but here's his 16-game pace pace during every season. Okay, he came into the league in 2013. Here's 2013 through 2017, 16-game pace. In 2013, 107 targets, 80 receptions, 887 yards, 5 touchdowns. Almost 12.5 fantasy points per game. He finishes tight end 9. Okay, 2014, 95 targets, 73 receptions, 676 yards. He didn't catch a touchdown that year, but whatever. He was That was his worst season. He was going to finish as number tight end 18 on a 16-game pace. I'll get through these a little bit quicker without all of the numbers. But in 2015, he would have finished as tight end 1. In 2016, he would have finished as tight end 1. In 2017, I believe he was he was somewhere in the top. Uh, I'll have to double check on that one, but I think he was in the top six or eight as well. Um, but the point is, this guy is a massive, massive talent. And outside of that rookie season in 2013, it was a crazy year from tight for tight ends when he finished his tight end nine, even with 80 receptions. Jimmy Graham had over 300 points that year, and five tight ends averaged over 14 points per game. I haven't been able to find that any other season. That's just it's it's kind of an anomaly. So the point is, Jordan Reed is a is a massive talent, and the other big reason here is. The fact that Alex Smith is now in Washington, and we know how much he loves his tight ends. During his time in San Francisco and Kansas City, he has kept the tight end heavily involved. From 2009 to 2012, Vernon Davis averaged 95 targets per season. Smith played. Now, he only played in 48 of those 64 games, but the point is, you know, uh, when he was in there, I mean, he was targeting Vernon Davis. And from 2014 to 2017, Travis Kelsey averaged 107 targets per game with Alex Smith at quarterback. So you know that that combo is going to work out well. Now, here's another, a third thing to consider is opportunity. The receiving core is thin. They have Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson, who they just signed, and Jamison Crowder. I like Crowder's talent. I think that him and Alex Smith are going to have a nice connection. Josh Doxson is very unproven, and Paul Richardson is in a new offense. And to be quite honest with you, his career high is 80 targets. That came last year. He's just, a, he's just kind of a guy who you're not going to use as more than a flex play. So the wide receiving core is thin. They lost Darius Geis for the year, so they're going to need to lean on the passing game more. And look, I don't think the Redskins are going to be very good, so they could be playing from behind a lot. And that's just another reason why he's going to lean on Jordan Reed a ton. Uh, The opportunity, uh, the team itself, the talent that Jordan Reed has. And if that isn't enough to convince you, let's look at the schedule. The, the Washington Redskins have the 11th easiest schedule for tight ends. Three of their first seven games are against teams that were in the bottom eight in terms of defending the tight end. And their playoff schedule isn't that bad. It's against the Jags and Titans, who you would think the Jags are just a great defense. But they, they were middle of the pack. They were 15th against the tight end. And Tennessee was 18th. So just to recap, the schedule, the opportunity, the, him playing with Alex Smith, the talent— you're still probably thinking, okay, if he's he, it's it's Jordan Reed. He's never played 16 games in a season. But I'm going to say that Jordan Reed plays in 13-plus games this year, and if he plays in 13-plus games, look at 2015, for example. He played in 14 games. He had 130 targets, 99 receptions, 1,088 yards, and 12 touchdowns. 17.5 fantasy points per game. He finished his tight end one on a 16-game pace. So if he misses two to three games— 
this year, if he can get over that toe injury that's plaguing him right now, come in at the beginning of the season, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, again, misses three games, but he can still be a top five tight end. Sign me up for Jordan Reed this year. Wow. That was, I mean, you really, that was, you have convinced me (laughs) of drafting Jordan Reed. I'm debating drafting Jordan Reed over Trey Burton. I think I, I don't know if I can say I do it yet, but I'm definitely drafting over Delaney Walker, over um, Kyle Rudolph, no doubt about it. And honestly, I'm definitely considering, that's exactly what I was bringing up. I think I would do it over Evan Ingram. I mean, the risk is there. And Evan Ingram, I mean, not to get in another subject, but he has a lot of, there's a lot of shares there. That's there. the best point is he was um, over a 20% target share last year. And we know that's going to drop with Shepard, with Barkley. We, they've never had a run game before. So we need to, we would expect some decline from right. Ingram. And to highlight one thing in that whole thing that you left there, the highlight one thing, I'm going to uh, paraphrase you here. Alex Smith swipes right on tight ends. He loves <laughs> yes. them. He that loves is, them. Yes, perfect. He loves tight ends. He swipes right on tight ends. Draft Love Gordon it. Reed. It, it, that's okay. that might be the X factor is Alex Smith in all this. Yeah, it really I mean, might be. He's in your inner circle. I that you believe in him. I you know I'm you had me starting to believe in him. Yeah, and Diggs I'll say it, I'll say it for the third time just to make this a, a very good point is I understand that your concern that most people's concerns, if not everybody, is the injury factor, and we think that Jordan Reed. We probably we know from a history just. You know, historically, we can't project injury, predict injuries, but with Jordan Reed, you almost can. But again, if he even if he plays in thirteen games, misses three games, you're still looking at a pretty damn good tight end. Yipper, yeah. So so far, we got Jordan Reed in your inner circle. Yep. I got Stefan Diggs in my inner circle. One of three. We, we got we have two more pegs. Two more guys to, to inner circle. I'm going to wh- start with my next guy right now. Go for it. And that would be the Stanford graduate. Andrew, I don't know his middle name. Luck. <laughs> hey, have you ever have you ever on Twitter have you ever seen that Sergeant Luck or or Cat Colonel Luck or whatever I have. it is? Yeah, it's a funny Twitter account. <laughs> I it's and they calls it they call him his sidearm is his 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 arm like. Yeah, Andrew uh, Luck yeah, fires his sidearm. That Twitter account. It's out so because, funny. You know, it's nothing Andrew Luck would ever say because he's such a dry personality. Dearest Still mother, has a flip phone. Dearest mother, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's good. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Check it out. It's something like so that. Anyways, it's like it's like Sergeant or Colonel Locker. Colonel Locker, L- I believe. Lieutenant, yes, Lieutenant Locker, or something though. like that. Yeah. I always see people retweet it and like it. Uh, All right, Jake. We talked about Luck a little bit at the top of the show, but why don't you dive into uh, more reasons why he I is in to your save inner a little circle? Bit more. I just think he's pretty much the QB that you can take advantage of most this year. I think he is going too late in drafts because we got to remember his talent coming out. Yes, he has a shoulder injury, but they're saying he's fully healthy and he's throwing the football again. He's had two years off of taking. He is not sore. He is ready to go. And right now he's currently going as the ninth quarterback in drafts. And honestly, I would take him over Cam Newton. Kirk Cousins, and also because of the knee injury, if it wasn't for the knee injury, I wouldn't, but because of the knee injury, I think Carson Wentz is going to get off to a slow start this year. Andrew That's Luck fair. also has mm-hmm. the sixth easiest schedule for a quarterback. 
and I think he's just going to eat that up. I think he has enough. He's, I like his weapons this year. I like T.Y. Hilton. I like um, they added Eric Ebron. They still have Jack Doyle. I, I, I like his weapons. I think he is going to. And they're going to be down in games because, quite frankly, their defense is still not that great. And they're actually in, throw they're the actually in a good division now. We wouldn't have said that about the AFC South a couple years ago. Right. Yep. But, yeah, I like Andrew Luck. I'm, I'm going to go to bat with him. I'd take him as the sixth quarterback instead of the uh, instead of the ninth quarterback. Okay, that's fair. I have him at four. I actually I'm higher than you, so um, I love. Yeah, you're that, right I, on my train with me. Then I love that he's in your inner circle. If he wouldn't have been in yours, he actually might have been in mine. Um, I had I had a handful of guys who I could have put in there, but but I think I went with the three that I feel really 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 good about. And and Luck is just a, a great pick, Jake. Uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, the one thing that I'll say is, or I guess I'll ask you, if T.Y. Hilton has a badly injured shoulder, for whatever reason, if he injures it more, if he misses any time, I think that we need to downgrade Andrew Luck quite a bit. Would you agree with that, if T.Y. Hilton were to miss a bunch of time this year? I would agree with that. I feel like uh, T.Y. Hilton takes that top off the offense and really lets everything underneath happen, and that would be... That would hurt Andrew Luck a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree there. So um, I'm not saying that T.Y. Hilton is missing any time right now or there's been any news about it. Just something to keep in mind. All right. Uh, are we good on Luck? Do we want to yeah, move on to my second, second guy? Yep. Okay, my second guy. Jake, this is somebody that you've expressed that you really don't care for that much, but hopefully I can sway you just a little bit at least. And that's Doug Baldwin. Somebody that I actually, to begin back, if you would ask me in July, who is your inner circle, I don't think Doug Baldwin would have been in that conversation. But part of the reason that he is, and the more I looked at the Seattle offense, is because of what's gone on there over the offseason. So first, let me start with the fact that there's no more Jimmy Graham or Paul Richardson. Now, they did bring in Jerron Brown. They did bring in Brandon Marshall. But I don't think Brandon Marshall is going to cover nearly what Jimmy Graham has done the last two years. And, and let me talk about that a little bit. Jimmy Graham over the last two years, though we didn't see it in between the 20s, the production, what we did see is Jimmy Graham catch 16 touchdown passes. And that's a ton. Uh, over the last two years, you know, we've seen Doug Baldwin also be that guy. But now that the, fa- the fact that Jimmy Graham leaves all that production behind, I don't nearly see, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall coming in and catching eight touchdown passes, just my opinion, but I don't see that. Paul Richardson had 80 targets last year, which was fairly significant for another guy in the offense. I don't know if Jerron Brown comes in and does quite that. And um, look, J.D. McKissick, as we mentioned at the top of the show in the league news and notes, will miss some time, and he's a pass-catching back who could be out the first couple of the weeks, couple weeks of the season, saw 46 targets. Might take him a little bit of time to, to get back into the swing of things in the offense. And C.J. Proceis, another cat pass catching back, can't stay on the field. He's played in 11 total games over the last two years. So I think opportunity is even better this year for Doug Baldwin. And now let's talk about the production and the consistency. Over the last three years, 29 touchdowns. That's awesome. That That is just unbelievable for a wide receiver. 115 targets per year, which won't blow you away. It's not up in the upper echelon of targets with your Antonio Browns and your Odell Beckhams. But hey, the Seattle offense operates a little bit differently with how they use Russell Wilson and how they use uh, that running game and things like that, the short passing game. Um, So 
115 targets per year. He's been consistent over the last three seasons, and he's been a top 11 receiver in PPR each of the last three seasons. So what's not to love? And if that's not enough, look, the guy hasn't missed a game since 2012. So the fact that Pete Carroll says he's going to be ready for week one, that's great. We've seen Pete Carroll be over opportun- uh, oper- op- What? Oh my gosh. I, I, Over-exaggerate? Uh, no. Optimistic. That's the word I'm looking for. I kept wanting to say okay. opportunistic, and I was going for, yeah, I don't know what I was doing there. Just losing. Yeah, don't. Hopefully, our English teachers don't know. Optimistic. That's what we're going for. But we've seen Pete Carroll be very optimistic before when he maybe shouldn't be. But I think that I think Doug Baldwin's going to be ready for week one. Just my gut feeling. So look, the production, the consistency, the opportunity. I think it all just is in Doug Baldwin's. Um, you know, in his favor, his current ADP is 32nd overall. He's going as wide receiver 14. I have him as my wide receiver 12. And look, right now he's going in front of Fitzy, Cooper, Landry. I have him in front of Thielen and Hill and behind Fitzy and Diggs. Um, so that's kind of how he falls into my rankings and where I'm drafting him. And look, I, I just feel like Doug Baldwin's a shoe in again for a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, you definitely made good points. Great points on that. Um, you said it. I'm not a Doug Baldwin guy. I think it's due to the fact that he. I don't love the Seattle passing offense. Never have for years. Um, but it has gotten right. Better but Jake, when they when they every but Jake, year. we know Russell Wilson is a is potentially the number one quarterback in fantasy. He has that upside, and when he throws the ball, his favorite target now is going to be Doug Baldwin, even in the red zone with Jimmy Graham gone. So what's what, like what's not to like about that? I guess my big point of what not to like would be the target share. I don't think the 115 targets is not enough for me. If he gets 150 targets, yes, then he will be a wide receiver seven or eight. I don't see that happening. But, hey, you know. Agree to disagree. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. I mean, agree to disagree. Fair enough. All right. Let's talk about your third guy. For the third and final guy invited into my inner circle— this is a guy you can grab in the sixth round, and he could literally win you your fantasy football championship this year. And that Ooh, I'm man, intrigued. This is, I mean, this is big time. I'm telling you, this guy could change your whole team. Not feeling good about your draft the first four rounds? Don't worry about it. This is a guy you can grab in the sixth round. He's actually going sixth round first pick overall, and you can grab him. And that guy's name is, from Western Michigan, Corey Davis. This guy is a straight stud. This guy is 6'3", 210, can jump as high as high can be. He could probably dunk in a 12-foot basketball hoop. I'm telling you, (laughs) this guy can ball out. Now, people are going to have reservations about him because he didn't have a – he had a good rookie year. He didn't have an off-the-charts wider – Oh, he didn't have a good good rookie year at all, to be honest with you. he's shown flashes. But, yes, you're correct. He didn't have a good rookie year of the way a fifth overall wide receiver picks, but I'm going to tell you why that, why he didn't have a good rookie year hamstring hamstring issues are going to hurt wide receivers all the time. I'm actually right now. I'm taking Corey Davis over guys like Chris Hogan, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones. And even if it came down to it because of the ceiling and you want to turn your team around, you've had a bad four rounds. I'm taking him over Golden Tate. I'm taking Ooh. Corey Davis over oh Golden my. Tate. 
Corey a Davis. Sure, in a PPR league. Yes, in a PPR in a, league. Like a for sure thing, Golden Tate. Like 90 catch, mark it down, close your eyes, eat a Snickers bar, go to the bathroom. Like you don't even, you don't even think about it. Like 90 plus catches, Golden Tate. That guy. That guy. I'm telling you, Corey Davis is one of these guys that has talent is off the charts. He is, and Mariota is going to get better and he's going to be better every year. He's going to be looking for this guy. They've built a repertoire together. Some of the big games that Corey Davis had last year, just that where he saw some flashes of greatness, were he had 10 targets, two games, 10-plus targets, two games. He had six catches for 91 yards, six catches for 69 yards, and five catches for 63 yards with two touchdowns. This guy, I mean, he is a red zone monster, and he only played in about 11 or 12 games last year, and he was hurt most of the year. Now, here's another guy to compare to, and we're really digging in to the, I would call it the Hall of Fame greats right here. <laughs> Calvin Johnson. Oh, Swan my. That is a monumental comparison, Jake. Are you sure you <laughs> want to go that far? I am sure I want to go that far. Calvin Johnson, in his rookie year, 48 catches, 756 yards, four touchdowns. What did Calvin Johnson do in his second year? 78 catches, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. I think is, Corey Davis is due for a big season. I'm predicting Corey Davis has 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Oh, my. That is That would put him as a easily a top 10 receiver. And that's um, what I'm telling you. Draft him as a top 10 Or at least in that, right in that range. Uh, my question for you, Jake, is, and I'm not sure what eating a Snickers bar and going to the bathroom has to do with with uh, Golden Tate being a for sure 90-catch guy, but that's just me saying things when I I don't care what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just spitting them out. You were shocked uh, when I said that. <laughs> I was, because that's what I mean, though, is Golden Tate is like your for sure 90-plus catch guy in a PPR league. That's exactly what you want. I would agree with you that Corey Davis has all the upside in the world. My question for you is, do you have any concern that Marcus Mariota just is not a good enough quarterback to have to to have a receiver that can produce those kind of numbers? That is a fair, fair question. But I do think Mariota is going to have a better season than last year. He definitely had some struggle points last season. But I also think it was due to the fact that he was working with guys he wasn't used to working with. And I well, think- and I think too to to that not to interrupt. Sorry, but he was coming off an injury lot the previous season where he broke his leg. And I don't think he, and I would think that he just did not kind of get back to form. I agree a hundred percent. And I'm just, I'm all in on Corey Davis. I'm telling you, he has the talent to do it. I think it's his year to break out. I think him and Mariota both are going to break out. Not Mariota is not going to break out as big as him, but I think they're both going to have better seasons. Okay. I look, I love it. And, for a little bit of draft strategy, we've talked more about kind of player profiles in this uh, in this episode. Um, we we have talked about like where we're, we're where we would like to get guys who we would take them over. But here here's a little bit of draft strategy for you, and it, it ties right into a guy like Corey Davis. I talked about this very brief, briefly on the last episode. He is a guy, like Jake said, who can make or break your league. He can win you a fantasy championship. So when you get to that fifth and sixth round and you say, okay, I'm going for the kill shot, Corey Davis can absolutely be that player. Now, if you've already gone for a kill shot like Josh Gordon in the fifth round and you have a chance to maybe double up with Josh with uh, Corey Davis, 
I don't know if I would take that strategy. Now, if you've gone with a couple safe guys, if you've gone with Larry Fitzgerald, if you've already taken, um, I, I don't know, Stefan Diggs, maybe maybe those are two of your receivers. Then, if you just want to absolutely, again, go for that kill shot with your flex player, man, Corey Davis can absolutely be that guy. Agree, Jake? I do agree. I do want to clarify one point when I'm saying I would take Corey Davis over Golden Tate because I would, but that being said, Golden Tate is going 12 spots ahead of Corey Davis. Now, the way I would do that is I would take a running back in that position over Golden Tate and then get Corey Davis in the next spot down. So I would take a running back like a, you know, if I need somebody to wait on, I can take a Mark Ingram or Lamar Miller or Deion Lewis. Or your boy or your favorite player in fantasy, Alex Collins. Yeah, not Alex Collins. Uh, I will pass <laughs> no, you on don't. Him. Uh, you don't like Alex Collins. But I will. Um, yeah, so I would take that rather than overdraft Corey Davis because if you overdraft him, that's kind of it. Kind of defeats the point of getting him where he can produce those numbers. Take a running back, build up your running backs, and get Corey Davis at a later, and he'll end up having more points than Golden Tate, and then you'll win your championship. That is Jake's championship points. All right. I like it. Uh, fair enough. I, I can I can roll with that a little bit. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's put a bow on this thing. I'm going to talk about my third player. And that guy is, is somebody that, Jake, you and I both like a lot this year. And I've come around to him much like Doug Baldwin as of late even more and more. Keeps kind of shooting up my rankings. I currently have him as my RB13. And that's Jordan Howard. His current ADP oh, is 20. Yeah. 23rd overall, running back 14. Again, he's my 13-ranked running back. I have him going in front of Joe Mixon. He's currently going behind Mixon and Devontae Freeman. And I have him going in front of uh, McKinnon, McCoy, and Collins also. And look, here's the reasons. When I come, first off, when I kind of get into that second round range and I have a middle pick, fifth, sixth overall, and say a 12 or 14 team, uh, I, I find myself gravitating towards uh, Jordan Howard quite a bit regardless of format and a lot of people I feel like are, are going away from him in a PPR league but let me tell you why maybe maybe you shouldn't be um, and a lot of that has to do with just the overwhelming amount of volume that he's going to give you on the ground that's going to make up for that so looking at that production and consistency let's take a look at Jordan Howard's first two years in the league he's played in 31 of 32 possible games so the consistency's been there for a running back he has generally uh, almost scored you know a perfect score in terms of just being available and that's the most important thing especially again at the running back position he's averaged 264 carries over 1200 yards and 78 touchdowns over those first two seasons that is excellent he's averaged 4.7 yards per carry so he's also been very efficient and for the people who think he cannot catch or they just won't use him I know he had a lot of drops last year he's worked so hard on that this offseason from what I've heard I do think practice I think he's going to be for hours. Yes. uh, Catch machine. Yeah. 500 500 balls a night before he leaves. Yeah. I've heard that too. He's become best friends with the jug machine and he's look, but even if you look at the last two years, he averaged 26 receptions and 212 yards over his first two years. That's not that terrible for a guy that we think is just a strictly a non, you know, a non PPR running back. Um, So you can get a little bit of production there. If he can get 30 plus catches, 
I know Tariq Cohen's going to get 60-plus catches more than likely, but I think you can legitimately get 30-plus catches out of Jordan Howard. And just those amount of carries, um, I think he's going to be consistent there again. 260-plus carries is where I have him at. I, at one point, had him at 279 carries. I've backed off of that a little bit, but 270 is certainly, I I think it's within range because we've talked about Tariq Cohen's his limited ability in the run game. Not so much ability, but he's a small guy, small stature. They don't use him a lot in those scenarios. 90 to 100 carries is probably what he's going to be at, maybe five to six carries a game, seven carries a game. Um, so, so look, Jordan Howard's finished as a top 14 running back in both seasons so far. I, I, I 100% expect him to do that again, and that's in PPR. He's finished a little bit higher in non-PPR. Um but again, he, he should see another 260-plus carries, and I don't believe the, the Bears— one reason I believe that is because I don't think the Bears are going to fully unleash Mitch Trubisky this year. They said they're going to. I don't I don't buy it. I still don't think he's that good. I think that even with, with the weapons they brought in, I still think they were going to rely heavily on the run game. They attempted the least amount of passes in the NFL last year at 473. It's not going to go up too, too significantly. It will go up, but not—, not not they won't be in the top 15 the top half of the league in pass attempts i can tell you that much right now and and to put a absolute like 20 cherries on this thing and give you just you know we're we're taking this thing half off i mean this this is just the best part of it all is the fact that the bears have the easiest number one the easiest schedule for running backs this year go time I mean that is just you know and it, that that's that's the bow on it for me. I, I love Jordan Howard. If I can get DeAndre Hopkins in the first round and come back and get Jordan Howard in the second round, that is I love it. Love I, it. I love it. Love it. Love it. That is great for me. And honestly, even if I get David Johnson and I come back and get Jordan Howard um, in the second round, I still I think that's actually a really good scenario too. Would not mind at all doubling up at running back with Jordan Howard as my second back. Yeah, I mean, all you, all your points said, I mean, I agree with you. I love Jordan Howard. Um, so basically what you're telling me is, you know, we have the draft coming up. I have the second pick. You have the fifth pick in a 14-team league. Am I not getting Jordan Howard coming back in that second round? Uh, unless, for some reason, A.J. Green, Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams, one, Mike Evans. If okay. one of those guys are still there, I'll take them over Jordan Howard. Okay. That's uh, so I like I like the receivers more in a PPR. That's a good point. Um, I think in a PPR the receivers are just too too valuable, um, especially those three guys: Green, Adams, and Evans. Yeah, who I, mean, I, I think, think could get to me. One of them could get to me. Yeah, let's just real quick another draft strategy because it's draft season. I think you got to go wide receiver, running back, or running back wide receiver in the first two rounds this year. I feel like the depth makes you do that you can't go back-to-back wide receivers or back-to-back running backs because you talked about it especially in a 14 and especially in a 14 14 team team league league, that's so hard you talked about it if you go david johnson come back and go jordan howard you're going to be left with maybe if you're lucky adam thielen but i doubt well i think it's easier to do i i will disagree with that to it to an extent i think it's easy while it is very nice to get one of those top 10 Easier receivers, to go top back, eight receivers. Back than wide receiver, yes. Wide receiver. Because yes, we've definitely. talked about this before in the seventh, eighth, and ninth rounds, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth rounds, there is still some some talent there to be had at the yeah. receiver I mean, position Corey that Davis you'd be totally be happy with at three. 
Yeah, I wouldn't prefer it. No, but he could be, and he would be a great number. He could be a great number two in a fourteen. He could be. Yes, could he be. could be a very good number two. I yeah. would agree. So, uh, uh, but that's we're we're pushing up against the clock here, Jake. Yeah, so we're let's wrapping let's up. go ahead and wrap to, this uh, thing up. Yeah, wrap it up. I do want you to plug us a little bit. Give us give the listeners some information about where they can reach us at, uh, where they can ask their draft questions because it's draft season again. Like I said, and we want questions. We want we will give our listeners feedback. Just plug us up a little bit. Yeah, of course. So at Pad the Stats on Twitter, that's the one place where I am probably the most active in just tweeting out stuff. Uh, usually every day, every couple days, um, I put all of the episodes up on there too. Facebook, Instagram, I put uh, information about the episodes on there. Uh, we're even on Snapchat and LinkedIn too. We're everywhere pretty much, and you can also find the the podcast itself itself on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. Just search "Pad the Stats." You can find us very easily. Um, yeah, I think that's like about us, it. And then, if you like us, share us with your friends. Keep spreading yeah, the love. Subscribe to the podcast too. Please subscribe, subscribe like yeah, like the podcast, subscribe. rate us. That would be great. Uh, we appreciate the feedback. Any feedback you can give us. We're still new in the industry. We just launched in May, so anything you can give us, we're happy to take. Yeah, but all right, everybody. New but old. New but old. Yes. We know our yeah. we know our stuff. That's exactly right. We've been doing this for quite a while now. All right, goodbye, all right everybody. everybody. Yeah, Good have episode. enjoy um, preseason week three. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to everybody probably this weekend. Until then, have a great night, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye.